First of our NBA draft previews today with a few days off for the Utah Jazz. Thought it'd be great to run through the draft. Leaf too lean of it. Locked on NBA Big Board will join us. We'll look at the tiers of the draft. Where are the spots that it matters? What if the Jazz take seven versus 14? What could the Brooklyn-Philadelphia-Houston pick yield? What will the Minnesota pick yield? What are some names we should think about looking at the NBA draft? We'll do that coming up with Leaf Tulane. I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. And this is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free. Available on all podcasting apps as well as on YouTube. Join the community, join the conversation over on YouTube as well. Today's show is brought to you in part by FanDuel. FanDuel, <clears throat> the official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Jazz and the Raptors tonight. We'll try to get to that in a second or two or in a few minutes. Um, late game watches for you as well, but Leaf Tulane of Locked On NBA Big Board joins us now. He, along with Raphael Barlow, Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, do a great job on Locked On NBA Big Board uh, for you five days a week talking the draft. And Leaf, thanks for taking the time. We know about Victor. We know about Scoot. Just from a big picture to start, good bet draft, bad draft, deep draft. I actually think this is somewhat garbage. It never actually happens true. The Andrew Wiggins, Jabari Parker, Marcus Smart, Dante Exum draft was supposed to be the one you tanked for. It was going to be the greatest thing ever, and it wasn't. I kind of feel like that's actually how it usually happens. But just what's the feeling right now on this draft? Yeah, I think there's a lot of star potential. Um, obviously, when Benyama, everyone's known about for years, and Scoot Henderson's made headlines for the past few years. So I think the fact that the top two have been playing professional basketball for two years makes it more likely that they pan out and there's more star potential. But I think what most people draw rave reviews about is the depth of and, and potential to get players later that can transform a franchise. And I, I'd say there's probably eight or nine players that I think have all-star potential. And, you know, that that if that were to be the case, that would be excellent. Obviously, it doesn't typically pan out that way, but the Jazz have to be hoping based on where they likely would end up that this is one of those drafts that does yield all-star talent in the mid-first round. Eight or nine players, that is a lot. Usually usually it's three or four in the top ten, one after maybe two after 11 um, is kind of the way it works. And in generally after 11, you're still at kind of the 50% rate of whether or not players actually become rotational players. I'll update my numbers on those I haven't done the last few years and whether it's changing. And I do think that's one of the things players I think are coming to the league more ready than they've ever come before. And they're having more success earlier um, than they've had before. So there are some changes there. All right, let's start with tiers. If the draft were today, the Jazz would draft 13-14 and the Jazz would likely draft 27th. Philadelphia now has a worse record than Brooklyn. Um, so the Jazz would draft 13, 14, 27. We, I guess there's a tier at one and there's a tier at two that are actually separate tiers with Victor at one, his own tier, and Scoot being his own tier. Then what? Like, what's the next breaking point in this draft? Yeah, I think there's a, a serious delineation be, uh, between Victor, Scoot, and then you have the rest. And I, I would say Amon Thompson, Brandon Miller, Osar Thompson, and Cam Whitmore. Uh, from three through six, at least the way I see it, have the the more potential uh, than the rest. And I would say seven through nine's got like 
they have swing skills. If they're to hit, they've got all-star potential, but I don't think they're as safe. And, and I'd even say that Osar Thompson, because we haven't seen him play point guard, despite the people saying, oh, well, it, why can't he play point guard because his twin brother does and he's regarded as like a 6'7 guy with John Morant athleticism. Um, I, I don't see the terrible uh, likelihood that he's bad at point guard, but because he's more of a curiosity at that position, there's a little bit more of a, uh, a, a thought where he has bust potential despite enormous potential as well on the flip side. So the reason I say eight or nine all-stars. Let me interrupt, is- you. Let me interrupt you for a second because I am a pure novice on the draft as of this point. I have not. Um, I've not gotten to the point where I'm ready to to start digging in. Are there two brothers there you were talking about? Uh, give us, give me, give me that understanding. May, may, pretend I know nothing, because actually, you know what? I, I actually do know nothing. So the two brothers are twins, Amon and Osar Thompson. Amon is commonly regarded as the as the better because he's been ball dominant. He's played. Uh, with the ball in his hands for overtime elite. Osar has the same measurements, same size, both about 6'7", 205, and absolutely phenomenal 1% athletes. Um, Their shots uh, are the concern. They both have fundamentally all right jump shots. They just have not yielded results to the tune of playing against inferior competition, still shooting sub 30% from three, but they're able to get to the rim at will, create and be defensive pests. Um, Both of them are regarded as top seven picks by most. I have both in my top five. And then the other guy that is really climbing up boards, which which makes me pleased, um, and obviously you have to see down the road, is Brandon Miller, who, who's kind of drawn comparisons to a slightly less athletic Paul George, someone who's long, lanky, creates space, and has a beautiful jump shot. And he plays for Alabama, who's one of the top five teams in the nation. Now, I heard Rafael Barlow on Locked On NFL Big Board make a claim that he thought, hey, if Detroit ends up with two, with Jaden Ivey and Cade Cunningham, he thinks they should not take Scoot Henderson and they should take Miller instead. And, and that makes sense from a positional side. Uh, I, you always – you determine it differently with different front offices. Troy Weaver tends to take best available, and that's why he took Jaden Ivey, um, even though there was other players available when they already had Cade Cunningham. But now that would be such a surplus of guards. I really do think that's plausible. Brandon Miller is a smooth shooting wing, and that really fills a need for their long-term potential. But I think because I think they think he could be right away better than Sadiq Bey. Okay, one thing that's interesting is we have these G League Ignite guys like Scoot Henderson, Jalen Green was one of those. We now have the Thompson twins who you talked about, which is a reference you don't get, but anybody who's 40 actually laughed, maybe 50, laughed at that Thompson twins concept. Um, it's a band. Look it up sometime, Leaf. Um the uh what do we think of overtime elite do does does g league ignite overtime elite do any of these have any negative or positive impact on whether you draft a player well i think g league ignite gives you better competition than college basketball and it allows you to be thrust in the fire and i think a lot of these players that came from g league ignite in recent years go to the nba more prepared um, than a guy going from college into the nba um, an example of this is Marjan Bochamp, who's really made himself a rotational piece for the Bucs, um, even though he was drafted 23rd and because he didn't shoot well. Um, Jaden Hardy is another example, 37th pick in the draft last year, and he's, a, he's on the Mavericks and he's playing, getting playing time. Um, and I think he hasn't had to adapt to the speed of the game, which is, I think, the advantage of the G League. You play better competition, you athletically um, you, you, you figure out how to play with the speed of the NBA athletes because you're playing with just as good athletes or very close to. Um, and then overtime elite, no one's played there. Dominic Barlow was on the Spurs summer league team 
And that was the only guy that's had any NBA experience whatsoever. So this is the, this is a trial by fire when you take the Thompson twins in the lottery, because they have athletic talents that you can see through a screen that are elite, maybe even 1% in the NBA, but you don't know how well their competition uh, impacts their game. Do they just dominate off athleticism or is there guile to their game and, and what is there and what will be developed? And I think a lot of people have to believe in their developmental staffs and take a leap of faith when you draft the Thompson twins um, because there's raw potential that's yet to be tapped when playing inferior competition. Okay. You say there are, how many all-stars do you think there are potential is a huge number. Give me that number again. Uh, I, w- I would say eight um, that, that are potential. I wouldn't bet on that necessarily, but I would say there's, there's guys. That I think I would say there's eight players. I think have the potential to become all-stars. And you think they will be drafted the last three of them will go what picks? Um, so I, I would say probably at, towards the end of the lottery, um, maybe a guy like Anthony Black would be one of my last ones. And I'd say he's going to be around the 10th, 11th pick and the ideal target for the Jazz. And then I would say there's, there's a few guys that if they find the right role, such as like a guy like Terquavion Smith, who Rafael Barlow compares to a, a guy like um, Jordan Poole, He's got the potential. I'd say he's probably picked around 17th, 18th. So I'll say somewhere around that range, just outside the lottery. Okay. All right. As we speak, if the draft went as expected and lottery went, the Jazz would pick 13th and 14th, taking Utah and Minnesota's picks. Frankly, I watched Minnesota a lot recently. I think they're about to click in. I think they're going to have a good little 18 and 12 run here for their final 30 games. And I think that that'll be a high level playoff team. They look, they look really different. Jazz on the other end could really drop. So, Here's one of the questions, Leaf. How dramatically different? I think there's a chance the Jazz could very easily get to the sixth pick of this draft um, without a lot of difficulty, right? If you look at the, I think, you know, depending what Toronto does or Indiana seems to be in with the Miles Turner signing. Um, if one, one or two moves, the Jazz, I think, can find themselves ahead of everybody but or, or, Orlando, Charlotte, Detroit, San Antonio, and Houston. The Jazz at six. How big a difference if the Jazz are six? How big a difference if the Jazz are 10? And how big a difference if the Jazz are 13? We'll touch on that next, as well as some names for you to get to know if you're a Jazz fan specifically, considering where the Jazz are. Those are the next two things. For Leaf to Lean, Locked on NBA Big Board is the show. It's available for you. Rafael Barlow's the main host. He's traveling all across the world, scouting players. Then Leaf, along with Richard Stamen and Sam Ferris, do a wonderful job complimenting the amazing work of Raphael Barlow. They call Leaf the grinder because he's out there doing it all the time, finding, watching film, doing all of it. Today's show, Wednesday edition show, brought to you by my good friend over at Intercap Lending, Steve Carter and the group there. He's our own personal loan officer at Locked On and want to give you the opportunity. If you're looking for a loan right now, there's nobody better than Steve Carter. There's no company better than Intercap. Steve's our own personal loan officer. The reviews we get time in and time out are just remarkable uh, of the customer service. And there's nobody I feel more comfortable sending them to. So you can reach Steve directly if you want to. Make sure you mention you were locked on and get the discount at 385-885-28. That's 385-885-28. Or you can just email me and I'll set you up with Steve and the group. I do want to mention one thing that's going on over there. Brock Worthen uh, and the group uh, have put together. And that is with the... What's going on in the world right now, free is what they're calling it. And what that is, is the program 
allows you to buy a home using intercap lending from now until March of 2023 and have the ability when interest rates dip to take advantage of a refi and they'll waive all lender fees for the refi. You do have processing underwrite fees, but you will have, uh, and you'll have, the, they'll waive all the process that you will still have, excuse me, escrow taxes, insurance stuff, but they will waive all of their fees. So if you're on the fence, Right now is the time to do it because you that refi is valid till March of 2025. So you have over two years to take advantage of the free fi program for our friends over at Intercap. Today's show is also brought to you by FanDuel, the new official sports book of Locked On. FanDuel is ready to get your Super Bowl party over the top. America's number one sports book. And it's even better than ever before. As FanDuel, if you're new to FanDuel, they've got some great features to make betting Super fun and easy. Listen to this. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with no sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if you're the first bet don't if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel will let you bet on anything from money line to point spreads to who will score the first touchdown. FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at fanduel.com/lockedon to claim your no sweat First bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports bet partner of the NFL. Leif Tulin of LockedOn Locked NBA Big Board is with us. You might as well make him your second listen today. Locked on NBA. What's been going on the show this week? You got anything, got any fun stuff for us? Uh, I, I'm up later this week, so I haven't caught up, but I, I'd imagine they're kicking in same type of topics. The you get you get more and more content for Rafael Barlow and the creativity, and I, I think they're going to talk about the delineation of the draft and and how you know there's different quality of picks. Once you get from six to ten, like we're about to head into, I think there is a a superstar and, and an all star delineation, and then a role player. And so I think the more the more you listen, the more you'll hear, hear topics like that about not only the Jazz but every team in the NBA and how they can approach the draft. All right, what is the difference if the Jazz? Trade deadline, they get value, it ends up hurting them a little bit. They end up slipping all the way to six. Somewhat likely scenario possible. Uh, likely scenarios also, they make a few trades. They end up kind of hanging where they are at 10. There's a deal or two on the table that might make them a little better. What, what's the difference if they're drafting six, 10 versus 14? Yeah, I, th- I think it's six. You have a chance of getting um, Osar Thompson. You've got a chance that if Brandon Miller doesn't test well, that he could slip. Uh, right now, he's trending towards the top five, but six is not much different than five. And Cam Whitmore is really starting to play well after a thumb injury um, sustained at the beginning of the year. Uh, he's on Villanova, and Villanova is typically not one and done. He's being well-schooled on, on you know, the fundamentals of basketball, but his athleticism is, is jaw-dropping. He, he's a smooth jump shooter, and he's got rim-rocking a potential. And I, I think he's a guy that people – because of Villanova's struggles, because they're considered so good every year and that that they're forgetting as good as he is as a prospect just because of the team struggles, which typically elevates people. That's why Brandon Miller's taking such a leap because Alabama's been top five in the country good. But I don't think there's that much of a delineation between Brandon Miller and Cam Whitmore. And Whitmore may have even more potential down the road. I just think his floor is slightly lower. Um, And then if you were to get to number 10, I think there's guys like Cason Wallace, Anthony Black, guys that would not necessarily be your primary option on a team that can really fill multiple rows. Those are both defensively oriented guards. Case and Wallace from Kentucky, Anthony black from Arkansas, both big lead guards who have the potential to play the one and the two. 
can defend at an elite level and really get to the rim. And for Anthony Black, who is a guy I've had my, my, my eye on for the Jazz specifically, as someone who, uh, that can play the point guard, defend one through three, you, you only need him to improve his jump shot. And I believe that athleticism, you can't teach jump shots, you can. All right, let's, let's dig into this a little bit. Let's go into this guard concept because the Jazz, Mike Conley is their guard. He's 35 years old. He will maybe be on the roster next year. If that not, if not, that probably is it. Uh, Colin Sexton, I don't think is a natural point guard. Who are the point guards Jazz fans should watch that if the Jazz were to try to, I don't think the Jazz would be drafting positional need at this point, but it would be awfully great if they could find a point guard. Yeah, so I, I think the pipe dream would be Scoot Henderson. Obviously, that's unrealistic. Amon Thompson, there's a there's a chance if you get to six that that he could slip if he really struggles, um, because he's a phenomenal athlete, six seven, elite elite uh, rim rim touch guy. Like, sorry, paint touch guy who can really finish at the rim. And then I would say the most realistic options would be Anthony Black, Keontae George, Kaysen Wallace, and Nick Smith, which are all uh, as of my big board right now, eight, nine, 10, and 11. And so I think those guys are reasonable um, in order. Anthony black, six, seven defensively oriented guard from uh, Arkansas who's really struggling shooting the three right now, but the team that he plays for really struggles as well. So he gets to the, he gets to the paint. He's a walking paint touch, puts pressure on the rim and he's defending the best player. Uh, I can't take my eye off him when I watch him. Nick Smith is his teammate for Arkansas. And part of the reason uh, Black's burden is so large is because he's been out with an injury, but he was regarded as a top five pick entering this season, but he hasn't played very much and didn't play particularly well coming into this. Kaysen Wallace is a coach's dream. He's, he's compared often to uh, Drew Holiday or Marcus Smart, a defensively oriented guard who, who excels putting pressure on the ball and has shot the three very well, but his free throw has not been good, which is often a good indicator of his true shooting ability. And then the last one is Keontae George, who is more of a two guard, but you could see him transition into a role similar of that of Jamal Murray, someone who's got the ball in his hands. He's not necessarily your primary facilitator if you're looking for a true point guard, but the guy just is, is wired to score and he plays for Baylor and he is going to run away with the freshman of the year in the big 12 for a top 10 team. If we look specifically at the Jazz, Walker Kessler, I think, is a piece that is not very malleable. Like, he's playing center, and it would be unlikely that the Jazz um, go try to add another center, I think, at this point. He, he certainly seems like he's a 25 to 30-minute-a-night center in the NBA. Lowry has the ability to go do whatever you need him to do. Like, I actually have said this before. I actually think he's the backup center at some point. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Walker Kessler and Lowry Markinen are your 48 minutes of center that Lowry plays a stretch five in those other minutes. He rim protects fairly well. This means that like in that other realm for the jazz, like they can add just about anything other than like a drop big. I kind of think anything's in play for them. And if a drop bigs, it would be just surprising to me if they were to take a drop big. So who are some of these other, with this kind of flexibility, who are some other names the jazz fans should prop and, and schools that jazz have, they there's this is on. You might want to watch. Yeah, so the those players, Keontae George, Anthony Black, Casey Wallace, Nick Smith are the guards. Uh, Cam Whitmore and, and Brandon Miller are the wings that I would really think are pipe dreams for the Jazz. Whitmore from Villanova, uh, as I mentioned briefly, elite athlete who's got good shooting ability, and I think he could develop into more of an uh, more of an isolation player and a better one because Villanova is very swing the ball, swing the ball, fundamental. Brandon Miller's the pipe dream uh, compared to a, slight, to a little bit less athletic Paul George. And then into some of those later picks, I agree with you that the 
the T Wolves likely will will make a push and uh, be like a six seven seed, and so that could be further down. So some players from less prominent schools. Jerace Walker for Houston, obviously that's a very good basketball school, but not as big a name. He's a power forward that's got a body. He, he kind of looks like Paul Millsap did coming out. Rugged, tough, can shoot, uh, can pass, and he's playing a complementary role that is, that is likely what his role will be in the NBA, but he's got more to his tool bag than Houston allows him to see. Um, a guy like Chris Murray would be a, a, a pick. He's the twin brother of Keegan Murray. Uh, Chris Murray is a left-handed version of Keegan. They're very, very similar players. Keegan, I think, is slightly more athletic. And then a, a few players that I would keep your eyes on, and it really depends what you view them as, is Maxwell Lewis from Pepperdine. Small school. Think of Jalen Williams and the way he burst on. They're different players. Williams, is, and this is the Santa Clara Jalen Williams, um, dominating the West Coast Conference playing primary option, but would likely be a complementary piece to a team. And he's a 6'8 wing who shoots the ball well, plays the point guard, and he's very versatile. And then Jet Howard, the son of Jawan Howard from Michigan, is an excellent shooter who's got a little wiggle to his game. Needs to work a bit on his defensive uh, technique, and but he is a freshman, and he's putting up big numbers in the Big Ten Conference, which is likely to get 10 teams into the big dance. 10? I, I think so. I, there, there's an argument for 11. I don't, I don't think they get 11, though. Wow, good to see that the uh, power conferences aren't just still dominating all the teams and selection stuff in the supposedly bounce. Now, this year, college basketball has been nutty, right? There's there, the difference between five and 75 might not be, it might be slimmer than it's ever been um, in, in college basketball this year. Uh, one trend that I want to check with you before we wrap this up, and that is size of guards. Last year, the smallest player taken in the first round of the draft was 6'4". This was like, the, to me, the single most untalked about story in the entire draft last year. Was this, that, that nobody, that was, uh, 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 was it Ty Ty Washington, I think is 6'4", was yep. taken like 28th. Like that was the, that was the smallest player taken. So I wanna, we'll check on that as we wrap up with Leaf Tulane here in, in just a moment. Uh, on that. Today's show is also brought to you in part by Built Bar. Built Bar's got a lot of exciting things going on for you. You know Built Bar for the incredible macros, the only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, while getting a whopping 17 grams of protein. You know Built Bar for the churro bar, the peanut butter brownie bar, the coconut almond bar. You also know Built Bar because you can just go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCK15 and grab the new double chocolate bar. Free shipping on all orders through, like, I think today or tomorrow um there are also the puffs are out there right now there's the brownie batter puff that's now gluten-free there's the coconut marshmallow there's the coconut oh oh never mind sorry cookie dough chunk sold out on me but the other thing is now at built bar some exciting things are going on because built bar is now available for you at walmart walk into the pharmacy section grab yourself a box of built bars and you can pick up a four box Bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate and coconut or coconut puff or Sam's Club. Grab a 13 bar box with our flavors, brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. It's all from our good friends over at Bill. Leave Tulane of Locked on NBA Big Board is with us today. That should be your second listen today as we get our first NBA draft preview uh, as the Jazz as of today, as we're recording this, sit at 13, 14, 
and 27. Do you have anybody specifically you'd mention at 27? Late first round, little like I think you already went there a little bit on the kid out of Pepperdine. Uh, anybody else you kind of are you've seen and you want to see again that you think might be interesting late in the first round? Yeah, I've got I've got two that are kind of polar opposites as college basketball players will play the same position. One is Jalen Wilson, who likely will be an All American. He's been on the draft radars radars for a while. He's the younger brother of DJ Wilson, who has been a journeyman. Um, Jalen Wilson was a regarded last year on the Kansas National Championship with fellow uh, Jay Hog as a defensive. Uh, wing who's got every ability to drive and finish rebound but he can't shoot and right now he's knocking down threes at an elite rate he's likely going to finish second in national player of the year voting solidifying him as a first team all-american he's someone that i really think could benefit the jazz with speaking of big wings with versatility and then another player with a big wing with versatility would be a freshman stretch four in uh taylor Hendricks. he's a freshman at ucf plays under coach johnny dawkins and he really came onto the draft radar by accident. I was watching Florida State, and this is the same for many people I've spoken to, and, and watching Matthew Cleveland, and uh, obviously Baba Miller was not quite there um, due to suspension, but he stood out. He's 6'9", shoots the lights out as a freshman, and he's got the athletic traits that you really look for. The in-between there with his defensive ability, I think he's got the traits to learn it, just hasn't put it together. And one other name I'd throw out is a guy who was in the draft cycle last year, went back to the G League Ignite, is Leonard Miller. And, and I think he's got a chance to develop into a, a stretch four who can, who can probably defend three through five. All right. So the question I had for you was size. Uh, and I'm a big believer. And even I was talking to Jason Kidd the other night, and I asked him because he was big as a six four guard. What is he? He's like small guys are in trouble. You better be Donovan Mitchell. You better be Trey Young if you're going to be six one and play in this league now. How many guys are there that are smaller than six four in this draft that are that special? Uh, Scoot Henderson is the, is the main one, but he's got explosion that very few have. And the rest of the guards, even if they're more, uh, finesse reliant, they're still listing at six, five, for instance, uh, Keontae George is six, four and a half, Nick Smith, six, five. And these are lottery guards. The only player that, that is truly diminutive in size is Terquavion Smith. And he's an electric shooter. Who's, who's a unconscious scorer, And he's about six, three, one seventy. So he, he's very, very thin, but he's got the scoring capacity. And I'm on the same wavelength as you. I, I did a podcast for Locked on Big Board on a on how the Boston Celtics championship run this past year where they where they lost in the finals really influenced the NBA draft and how teams will draft for these wings rather than play true point guards just because they can defend multiple positions. And if they can shoot and you have an individual creator of the ilk of Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, which all championship teams tend to do. You want complimentary pieces that can defend and are big and switchable. And so I, I'm I'm fully on board with your your theory here as well. The team is doing it now is the Clippers, right? We'll see. Everyone thinks they're going to add a Fred Van Vliet or they're going to add a maybe a Terry Rozier, maybe go get Mike Conley or something at the trade deadline. They're playing Terrence Mann as a point guard, and with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, it's clear Ty Lue does not think they need a point guard. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, that's an experiment to see what happens with Fred Van Vliet but, because he's a phenomenal player. But but I think the Clippers and Celtics are really laying out a blueprint. If you can get a premier wing, you don't need a point guard. Clippers uh, started – Clippers 
Reggie Jackson came back and played 27 minutes uh, tonight against Chicago, but they started Luke Kennard and Terrence Mann, and it looked like Norman Powell and then Reggie Jackson played almost all of the other minutes um, at point guard. So they, I mean, they just don't have a point guard on the roster. John Wall's hurt and he hasn't been good uh, so far. All right. Any last thing you would tell the jazz fan that they need to do to be prepared? This is kind of our first check-in. We'll check in again in a few weeks um, on the draft as, as we head to February, we'll probably do a pre-March check-in watching teams. You'd four or five teams. You'd go grab and watch here uh, in the next month. If you're a jazz fan. For sure. I would say Arkansas would be the first team I watch, especially if they're able to get Nick Smith back from his knee injury. Uh, Anthony Black is is the main target in my eyes for the Jazz. Uh, I would say that a team like Houston with Jarese Walker would be an interesting one because the Jazz will likely have a chance to pick him, especially if they're in that 10 through 14 range, which it looks likely they will be. But like you said, there is a significant chance that they, if they make a trade, they're going to move up to six through 10. And if, if that's the case, I would watch Baylor and Villanova. And then the last team I would watch would be Alabama, just in case you can suffice the pipe dream of getting Brandon Miller, but also a guy that could be picked in this, uh, the last pick of the draft 27th or, or thereabouts is a guy named Noah Clowney who really emerged an unheralded guy, a glue guy for this Alabama team who can play the small ball five can also play the four and he's a very, very good defender. And so you'll see a commonplace theme with me is size, defense, switchability. And he wants some shooting, but I, I think the way that Will Hardy has made this Jazz team, you're seeing the, the Jazz reap rewards of their front court size. And I, I think they'll try to continue more of the same if they can get a, especially if they can get a guard with one of their two early picks. Leave, thanks for the time. You, Raphael, uh, Richard, Sam, do great work at Lock, Locked on NBA Big Board. We appreciate your 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 insight, your your knowledge of the Jazz, uh, to give us a little bit draft preview here uh, as the Jazz get ready for the Raptors tonight, which is another team that's tried this six seven. Except for they have Fred VanVleet, I actually almost argue that I can't tell if the Raptors have a lack of shooting or they have a lack of versatility. Sometimes I watch the Raptors; I think they wish they could play another way, and they simply can't. They only have kind of one way they can play. At times, I think it hurts them. It certainly did late in the Phoenix game um, the other night. So we'll see on that one uh, tonight. Leaf, thanks very much for the time. Thank you. That is Leaf Tuline, Locked On NBA Big Board. This has been Locked On NBA. No, uh, so uh, I'll do some late game watches for you. Updates Thursday from what I saw last night. We'll we'll have Raptors breakdown for you uh, tomorrow. I do think that's gonna it's an interesting one to watch tonight. The, the Raptors are going to switch one through five uh, most of the night. They'll do kind of the same thing Brooklyn did that caused us so many problems. So how do the Jazz adapt and, and change with that? The other thing that's interesting about the Raptors uh, in tonight's ball game for you is at Toronto, uh, they're the 11th ranked offensive team and the 17th ranked defensive team. That Then if you kind of look at them more recently, uh, they've really begun to have some defensive struggles at times. They are the 22nd ranked defensive team in the last two weeks and the seventh ranked offensive team, uh, which is strange because that's not what you'd really expect um, out of this team. Uh, the other one that's interesting on them is that they should have won 27 games and they've only won 23rd. They're the team that's most underperforming their expected win value, which means they're probably a lot better than their record.
All right, that is Locked On Jazz for the day. Appreciate you tuning in. Hope you enjoyed Leaf and catch him on Locked On NBA Big Board. Have a great day.